Migraine Canada presents Migraine Talks with Dr. Elizabeth Leroux. A podcast to learn, share, and live better. Please remember, the content of this podcast does not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Discuss all decisions regarding your care and treatment options with your healthcare provider. Hello everyone, this is Dr. Elizabeth LaRue, Headache Specialist in Montreal and your host for this Migraine Talk podcast. In today's podcast, we'll talk about food. Have you ever wondered if you could eat this delicious looking meal without enduring an attack later? Who has not been told to stop chocolate? And what about these super long lists of migraine food triggers and claims for miracle diets? There are so many websites and books on this topic that it can become bewildering, not to mention all the friendly advice you may get from, well, everybody about what you can or cannot eat. It is not an easy topic, and as always, there's no one size fits all. Still, according to today's guest, Nadine Khoury, starting with basic interventions can really make a difference. We will also chat about hydration, food intolerances, and elimination diets. Nadine Khoury has been a leading nutrition educator in the Toronto area for over 20 years. She worked for many years as a clinical dietitian at Sunnybrook Hospital and then became clinic manager at the MedCan Clinic in downtown Toronto. She has led several corporate nutrition programs through Lunch and Learns and shared her expertise through several media outlets, including Global News and CBC Radio. Nadine currently owns and operates her own private counseling practice, NAD Nutrition. She strives to find the root of her clients' health imbalances and shows them step-by-step step how to maximize their body's natural healing uh, through food and nutrition. She has a specific interest for conditions such as high cholesterol and high blood sugars, autoimmune conditions and neurological conditions such as concussion and migraine. So hello Nadine and thank you so much for speaking with us today on the very important topic of food, diet and migraine. So we'll start with our first question. Um, I was curious to know how you came to be interested in migraine as a, as a nutritionist. Uh, so it's very interesting. I, I became interested in migraines as a dietitian and as a, a functional nutrition therapist uh, by fluke because it often came up as one of the symptoms of uh, food intolerances for people. Uh, most people think that food intolerances manifest themselves only as digestive symptoms, but in reality, the symptoms you experience are very individual to you, and they really vary greatly from skin symptoms to digestive issues to mental or neurological uh, symptoms like headaches and migraines. So that's really how I came about to get interested in it. It's the connection between how we eat Uh, how our energy is being metabolized and how that affects our brain health. As I heard Nadine discussing the topic of uh, food intolerances, I got curious and checked for some information on PubMed, my favorite source for uh, scientific articles. A recent article reviewing celiac disease and gluten intolerance linked with migraine reported the following. Celiac disease is associated with migraine and it can be diagnosed with antibody testing in the vast majority of cases. In this situation, a gluten-free diet can really improve the migraine situation, 
up to 90% of patients will improve. For people who report an intolerance to gluten but are not celiac, results are not as clear. Even if gluten-free diets are said to be healthy, and they can be, they are also associated in some cases with weight gain and they may be costly on the long term. I also looked for information about lactose intolerance and migraine and I didn't find much there. In my practice, I see many patients who are lactose intolerant, so they avoid lactose since very young age, and they still live with frequent or chronic migraines. So for them, maybe other factors are involved. Um, there's very uh, there's a probability that some patients actually stop lactose and or dairy products and actually got better, so they just never make it to my clinic because they're okay. So avoiding gluten or dairy products is now easier than it was because we have a lot of alternatives. If you want to try this, why not? But observe the results, ideally with a headache diary, make your decisions, and remember that many other factors actually play a role in migraine. We know that, that migraine is a brain disorder, but brain does interact with the body on the constant basis. And so we, we cannot just focus on the brain. You know, the brain is, is related to, uh, to what we eat. So when you, uh, when you deal with someone and then you, you become aware that this person has uh, migraine, uh, what are the main things that you will check with someone during an evaluation? So usually I really like to start with the basics. I like to start with the low hanging fruit. I like to look at, are there any dietary triggers for, for my patient? So I look to see, is my patient delaying their first meal of the day? Are they skipping any meals? Is there a cause in their, uh, in a drop in their blood sugars throughout the day? Because that we know a drop in blood sugars can trigger a migraine. So I, I start with making sure that um, my uh, patient is eating regularly throughout the day and balancing their meals appropriately so there's less bumps and crashes in their blood sugars. The second thing I look at, which is just as important, is insufficient fluid intake. So making sure that someone is not dehydrated. It when you're dehydrated, that's going to lead to headaches. And for someone who's prone to migraines, it will lead to migraines. So we, I like to start to, by checking those basic two things off. Then I look at, are they taking any medication that may that they may be overusing for pain relief? Because sometimes that we, that we know that can cause rebound headaches. Uh, also, sometimes if they miss doses of certain medications that they're on, that can cause uh, headaches. So I like to look at that and see if there's a, a correlation there. And I also like to look at correcting any nutritional deficiencies that I know have been linked to migraines. For example, magnesium, vitamin B2, vitamin D, uh, CoQ, enzyme CoQ10 it are like really important in terms of ensuring that the brain is processing the energy appropriately. So I like to make sure that either they're consuming foods that contain those foods. And if they're not, then I would suggest those foods. And if they're not willing to consume those foods because they don't like them, or it's not something that they would prepare, then I might supplement with these, with these nutrients as well. Um, and then the last thing I look at uh, after I check all of these things is potential food triggers. So we know that there are some food triggers to migraines. Migraines have multiple triggers, some environmental, some weather related. Um, 
some light related if someone has had a concussion in the past. So there's there's multiple reasons or triggers for migraines, but uh, there are also potential food triggers. So why not look at these to see if though if uh, avoiding these foods might help um, someone feel better. So those are kind of the basics that I look at when I'm I'm talk talking to someone with a migraine. Some supplements have been shown to be helpful to treat migraine and diminish the frequency of attacks. To read more about this, go to migrainecanada.org and type vitamins in the search box. Even if you do not have nutritional deficiencies, these supplements can also help. So try them as any medication with a headache diary over three months and observe their impact, then decide if you want to keep taking them on the long term. So let's, uh, let's continue about the triggers, because sometimes my patients go online and then they see, you know, trigger lists of foods that can be quite bewildering. It looks like you, you cannot eat anything. So how do you approach the counseling about food triggers? Yeah, so if my patient is suspecting a relationship between what they're eating and their migraines, but they have no idea what it could be, I usually like to start by reviewing a food journal that also uh, keeps track of symptoms. So a food journal and a symptoms diary. I will ask them to keep that for at least a couple of weeks. And then I look at that and see if there are overlapping, you know, glaring uh, connections. But sometimes that's not very obvious. <laughs> uh, but we know, for example, there are food triggers like artificial sweeteners alcohol, uh, cultured dairy products, fermented foods, and drinks like kombucha. So I like to look and see, okay, are there very like glaring uh, connections there? And I usually start with that. Uh, if I note that there's frequent intake of a certain ingredient or food that might be a trigger, then I might suggest eliminating those foods for three to four weeks. That's usually what an elimination diet is. You have to avoid those foods for three to four weeks, sometimes longer, depending on, uh, on what it is and how severe their uh, headaches or migraines are before reintroducing those foods, but we reintroduce those triggers one food at a time in a very systematic incremental fashion. So we will increase the portions uh, slowly over the course of a week by monitor and while monitoring the tolerance to those foods while keeping track of the symptoms that they're feeling throughout those incremental additions. So that's usually what I do when I, when I, when I do an elimination diet. But elimination diets are not for everybody, right? So uh, it, I really like to meet people where they feel they can make an effort in changing their diet. Um, so if they're not willing to, you know, we start with the basics. That's always helpful. We start with supplements if needed. And then if we take care of all of that and, uh, and my patient is still struggling with debilitating migraines, then I would suggest you know, an elimination diet as, you know, as a last resort, if they've tried everything else, they're taking medications that aren't working. Uh, why not, you know, see if there's a trigger food for them. If you have frequent migraines, looking for food triggers might become very difficult as we eat every day and true associations may be difficult to confirm. Is today's migraine related to what you ate or maybe to something else? Um, the first step to a migraine friendly diet is to start with by removing foods that are not healthy from your diet. So things like alcohol, artificial sweeteners, uh, processed foods. 
other foods uh, that are said to be triggers are maybe not part of your diet already, so it's not difficult to avoid them. Uh, things like aged cheeses that most of us don't eat every day, or fermented foods like kimchi, for example. Elimination diets focusing on foods that are rich on tyramine or histamine may be a bit more complicated because then you may need to stop otherwise healthy foods that you may eat on a regular basis like tomatoes, onions, soy or dried fruits. This could be made easier with the assistance of a nutritionist. So once again, when you try a, an approach like this, avoid trying medication, preventive medications or new preventive medications at the same time to avoid a confusion in the results. So let's say you try a diet and then a drug at the same time, you know, what's, what's causing the improvement. So be really systematic in your approach and, uh, and then make your decisions. So it looks like the elimination diet has to be done with a, a bit of a, a structure and a systematic approach to ensure that things are, do, are done properly so you don't, the person just doesn't start eliminating everything and then making assumptions. Because I, I assume some people do the elimination diets and then maybe they, they don't find any relevant food triggers. Have you seen this in your practice? Well, I, what I find is that when people do elimination diets, they don't do them correctly. So they will do them for a few days, three days, and they don't feel any change. And then they'll reintroduce the food. That's just not enough time for us to see if that's a food trigger or not. Um, I, I really, really uh, suggest uh, for patients to work with somebody, either a registered dietitian or someone who is uh, in the know about elimination diets and reintroduction uh, phases of, the, of these diets, because it's really important that while you're eliminating those foods, someone is helping you uh, by telling you what to replace those foods with, because you can cause nutritional deficiencies if you're eliminating food groups or umbrellas of foods that are providing you with certain nutrients like magnesium, B2, that are ex extremely important for uh, the functioning of, of the brain and so many other functions in the body. So uh, when I usually put my, my patients on an elimination diet, I'm guiding them by telling them what they're eating in place of what they're eliminating so that they're not risking any nutritional deficiencies. And I find that that step is very crucial and important to see if, um, you know, because you have to, you have to make sure that they're, they're not, you're not causing a deficiency while removing something, because then you're not really benefiting. Yeah, you're not, you're not helping, right? Because I, I certainly have seen patients who just went very radical, and they, they chopped so many things that they were just feeding on, you know, they, they didn't get proper nourishment from yeah. their diets. A review study published in Nutrients in 2020 has found that most people with migraine are not triggered by chocolate. Yay! So studies comparing chocolate to a placebo to trigger migraine were actually negative. Um, of course, some people report that chocolate triggers their attacks, but this number varies between 1% and 30%. And if we challenge the belief and we actually try to trigger these people with chocolate, it usually does not trigger them. So the same thing applies to many food triggers uh, that tend to be a bit overestimated by people. Remember that there are many other factors that may influence migraine and removing too many foods from your diet might be useless or even harmful if it leads to deficiencies or a lot of anxiety. 
Um, I would like to go a little bit more forward in detail uh, with hydration, because mm -hmm. the question we always get is how many cups of water, you know, how much should I drink? Would you like to give a, a few a few tips and a bit of guidance about how to have a proper hydration? Yes. So general recommendation for hydration is, is you should consume half of your weight in pounds in ounces of water. So half of your uh, weight in pounds. So if you're 150 pounds, 75 pounds should be, it should, 75 ounces, ounces should be your fluid intake. That That's for everyone, okay? But for migraine sufferers, I usually like to push that up to one ounce per pound. So if you're 150 pounds, you should be drinking 150 ounces, which is a lot of water. <laughs> so most people get really scared. So I say, okay, this is your minimum. And this is kind of what you optimal somewhere in between is good, you know, and moving them along, you know, a better hydration level is better than than not. So any change for the better is I'm happy with. <laughs> That's a great ballpark. And I certainly see patients and I will also count myself in who say, oh, I hydrate. But then when you check, all they're drinking are sodas or sometimes caffeine or sometimes fruit juices or sweet juices and sometimes alcohol. So we agree that um, hydration oh. should probably not be done with those things. Absolutely. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, I mean, uh, they, often I'll get the question uh, from my patients, uh, does coffee or tea count towards my fluid intake? And I usually say half of it counts because uh, coffee and tea are diuretics, so they will flush water out of your body. So they can cause you to be more dehydrated if that's all you're drinking all day. So you need to make sure that you're you're drinking water or sparkling water if you like that. Uh, there's a lot of flavored sparkling waters now out there without any artificial sweeteners that actually do a good job in, in helping people increase their water intake. So definitely uh, that's something that I would recommend. In terms of alcohol, the quality of the alcohol is important. Uh, I, I usually talk about the quality of what they're drinking because cheap liquor often is a trigger for migraines for people. So, and also lighter drinks. So what are better options for alcohol? So white wine, for example, seems to be less of a trigger than red wine. Yep. A light lager is less of a trigger than a heavy beer. Uh, vodka seems to be better than tequila for people. So we, we can talk about that a little bit. And I usually say, if you're gonna go out and you're gonna drink socially, make sure you're drinking a glass of water between each drink. Uh, make sure you're not going, going over two drinks for women and three drinks max for men at one sitting. Um, avoid becoming intoxicated, obviously. <laughs> so those are the things that we kind of discuss that people don't usually sometimes forget to relate to their migraines. Yes, thank you for these comments. And I really love the the ballpark figure based on the weight because you cannot ask like a big guy who's 6'4 to drink the same thing as a little yeah. lady who's 5'2 right so yeah. it's it's very helpful to tailor your intake to who you are and and what you eat let's review the ballpark about hydration explained by nadine a person weighing 120 pounds should drink 60 ounces or approximately eight cups or two liters of water per day a person weighing 200 pounds should therefore drink 100 ounces 
or 12 cups or 3 liters. So that's where this kind of ballpark of 8 cups a day comes from. Remember that some water does come from fruits, vegetables, soups. Um, on the other side, beverages that contain sugar, uh, salt like broth, alcohol, proteins like milk, uh, caffeine are not as good as plain water or herbal tea to hydrate both the body and the brain. Maybe I will ask another question about uh, sugar, uh, sugar regulation. Mm -hmm. um, because we, it's absolutely true that hypoglycemia or low blood sugar has been a well-known trigger for people with migraine. Um, and so are, do you have any basic recommendations to kind of stabilize sugar levels uh, in your daily routine? Yes, for sure. So what you eat matters and the balance of your meals matters when it comes to blood sugar regulation. So for example, I'll, patients will tell me, uh, I'm, you know, I will take a, a food, food diary and I'm going through the food diary with my patients and they'll say, oh, I eat really well. I have fruits for snacks and I have fruit after lunch or, or something like that. And I'll, I usually say, okay, but are you getting enough protein with that meal? So protein seems to do the, the trick in balancing your meals in terms of not help reducing the spike in your blood sugars. So if you're eating a big bowl of pasta with tomato sauce and that's your meal, which a lot of people do, uh, if there's no protein, there's not enough protein in that meal for the large amount of carbohydrates that you're consuming. So it's very important to balance out the carbs to protein ratio. Fiber is also another thing that I make sure people are getting enough of. Fiber really helps in, um, it takes longer for the body to break down yeah. fiber. So because of that, it reduces the spike uh, in your blood sugars. Whenever there's a spike in your blood sugars, your blood sugars go up high a lot of, depending on how high your blood sugars go, your body wants to send a, the, the accurate amount of insulin to bring it down. Insulin is a storage hormone that will bring your blood sugars down because your body doesn't like your blood sugars high or low. So if, you're, if your blood sugars are too high, a lot of insulin goes, goes into your blood. The more insulin, the more your blood sugars crash then what happens after that crash, your body wants to go back to that normal blood sugar. So you get more cravings for more sugar or more carbs <laughs> usually. So unless your meals are balanced, you're in that vicious cycle of like bump and crash, bump and crash of your blood sugars. So it's really important to balance your meals. I usually say half of your meal should be vegetables. And I'm not talking starchy vegetables. I'm not talking mm. peas and corn and potatoes. <laughs> I'm talking non-starchy vegetables. A quarter is your carbs, which can come from grains or from root vegetables, like potatoes, sweet potato. Uh, it could also come from things like quinoa. And then your other quarter of your plate should be your protein, which is usually about the size and thickness of the palm of your hand. That's how much you want to aim for in terms of, you know, for balance at, um, at lunch and dinner. For breakfast, I usually say a quarter of, of your, it's more like a third, a third, a third, mm -hmm. a third protein, a third fruit. Usually people like fruit with breakfast and then a third healthy fats. You want to make sure that you're getting healthy fats as well. Uh, so, you know, uh, olive oil, avocado, nuts and seeds, all of those good things are important because uh, the fiber and the fats from those foods will also take longer to break down and digest into sugar. So they'll keep your blood sugars that much more balanced. So it looks like hearing from you, it looks like there's a lot that can be done uh, with our diets. 
without going to extreme things like the, you know, people have heard about uh, intermittent fasting and keto diet, which we can definitely do a future podcast about. But even with basic interventions, uh, we can improve our migraine situation. So thank you so much for all those tricks. And I look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thank you, Nadine. Thank you for having me. And thank you for shedding a light on such a debilitating condition. Thank you, Elizabeth. Well, my friends, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. For some of you, it might be only an appetizer, as many books have been written on the topic of food and migraine and go into great detail. But starting with the basics is important, and often it's actually sufficient. I want to acknowledge that some people find significant improvements with different diet interventions, and we see a lot of histories and anecdotes online. But for some people, a deeper dive in particular diets, for example keto, may be interesting. So maybe for a future podcast. I wish you all to enjoy delicious and healthy meals and find your own dietary balance to live better. Migraine Canada is a not-for-profit organization. We improve the lives of Canadians affected by migraine and other headache disorders through awareness, support, education, advocacy, and research. This podcast does not replace a medical advice. Always consult your treating healthcare provider to make any medical decision. If you enjoyed the content of this podcast, listen to the 11 others from our 2021 series, available on your favorite platform. Remember that you'll find plenty of additional information on MigraineCanada.org. Is there a topic you'd like to hear about in the future? If you have suggestions or feel like sharing your thoughts, please email us at info at MigraineCanada.org and don't forget to check our website. We'd love to hear from you. 